Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. We need to be reminded of that. I was texting uh, Dr. Clarence Sexton some time ago, and uh, it was a Sunday morning, something that we were talking about, and praying about. He said, I'm meditating on this verse this morning before our service. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything? He said, I'm meditating on that verse. You know, that'd be good for us to meditate on today, would it not? Is there anything too hard for God? There's nothing that God can't handle. Nothing. Nothing. What is impossible with us is possible with God. So stop and consider that for a moment. It is impossible for us. Impassable. It's something that we can't get beyond. It's something we can't change. It's something we can't bear. But it's not for God. It's possible with the Lord. And God says that all things are possible to him that believeth. May the Lord give us faith to believe him, to trust him. To hear his voice this morning, that still small voice, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I read the story of a lady who in London sits each day at a certain uh, place, a certain uh, junction and terminal to where she can hear the voice of her husband. He made a recording for the underground uh, subway station and train there. And uh, he made it back in 1950, died in 2003. But she goes every day just to hear his voice over that recording. The time came when they replaced it with a digital voice. But then she went and asked for the uh, tape copy so she could have it for herself. And so they thought of all things, the very station that she lived nearest to, they would keep her husband's voice playing for that particular area. So to this day, she still goes back just to hear his voice. And I thought about that. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John. John chapter 10, and let's consider this. Excuse me. Jesus says this about his sheep. John chapter 10 and verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do ye stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou, that thou being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, Ye are gods. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, 
Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. Jesus is saying that my walk matches my talk. If at, ever at any point it doesn't, it diverges. I say one thing and then do another, then you don't have to believe me. But if everything I say, I am consistent with what I do, believe me. And if you won't believe my words, believe my works. I think about that. We're wordy people. We say a lot. I remember as a younger man hearing people say one thing and then do another. And it was a quandary in my mind at the time. And I thought, well, I know what they said. But I also know what they went out and did otherwise. And I'm thinking, what's the disconnect here? Amazing, isn't it? Jesus is saying that my sheep know me, they hear my voice, they recognize me. Not only my words, but they see and believe my works. He said, I'm going to give unto those who believe on me eternal life. That's forever life. That knows no end. Into and throughout all eternity their life will continue is what Jesus is saying here. I think it's amazing this story Jesus gives us. It's an allegory rather than a parable of the good shepherd. The allegory means that the details are relevant to the main idea. In this Christ refers to himself as the good shepherd. He's the door to the sheepfold and his sheep, those who believe on him, they recognize, they hear his voice, they receive his word and his works. Amazing, isn't it? I think of the works of Christ. I think of how He wants to work in our lives, through us. I've been preaching to you about the words of Christ. Last week I alluded to the works as well as the wounds of Christ. But I want to take this theme of His works and develop it a little bit further here in the book of John. I wonder in this hour, do we not... Realize today that when we stand before our Lord, before the judgment seat of Christ for all those who believe on Christ as Savior. Now that's a different judgment from the great white throne judgment wherein the unsaved, the unbeliever will stand. And they'll hear the words in that day, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. But those who know the Lord will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, will give account to him of that which we've done with the ability, the opportunity that God has given us since we've trusted Christ as Savior. Now think of that. Our works are going to be tried in the fire. If they're not for God's glory, if, if they're for our own glory, our own benefit, or if they're done for the wrong motive or reason, then they'll be burned, wood, hay, and stubble. But that which we've done for the glory of God, the good of others, from our heart as unto the Lord, 
silver and gold and precious stones. They'll come forth and rewards will be given from God to His people. So God reminds us today that we're not going to be judged when we stand before the Lord and give account based upon our intentions, our what we meant to do or meant well in. I thought of doing this, God. I really wanted to. I really hoped I would get around to this one day. This was something that I thought if I ever had the opportunity, I'd really go with it. Then we look back and we realize that maybe there were opportunities we didn't recognize at the moment. As I said recently, because they were dressed in overalls. (laughs) It required some work, some sacrifice, getting out of our comfort zone, changing some things about our priorities and the way we live. And so God speaks to us in this moment. And He says... Hear my voice. Listen to my words. Believe on me. And if you believe on me, you believe on my works. But these who were self-righteous in this day, they wouldn't hear his voice. They, they were blinded because they didn't believe his works. He claimed to be the Son of God, and they, they took exception with that. They accused him of blasphemy in their self-righteousness. They were blinded. They were bound by their pride and their false, misplaced indignation. There's a lot of people upset about a lot of things in this day. It's amazing how it can be so misplaced. Upset about the wrong things. Okay about the wrong things. We're living today to where good is called evil and evil is called good and people celebrate those in reverse. Amazing, isn't it? And they get upset at something that is really good and true and honest and pure and of good report. But the things that are vile in the eyes of God, the things that are rooted in pride and self-will, even self-righteousness, people celebrate in this hour. God said the very root of all sin is pride. The thing he hates the most, according to Proverbs chapter 6, is pride. From pride comes all kind of self-will and self-righteousness and self-absorption that says, it's my life, I'll live as I choose, and God and everyone else is going to have to be all right with it. But you'll never find that message in the Word of God. That's not God's message to us. His message is one of love. He came not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. We need to be saved. Why? Because we're lost. Our sin condemns us. We're condemned already under the righteous wrath of God Almighty. We need to repent, turn in our hearts to the Lord from our sin, believing on Christ as Savior. Now they refuse to do this. The Jews in Jesus' day. No wonder they were cut to the heart and they had a zeal to silence him. All those who are blinded by, bound by sin at some point do not want to hear the truth and will rise up to speak against, if not work to actively work against the truth. 
Well, these are powerful truths as you think of what Christ has said here. Look back with me in chapter 5, John chapter 5. It's amazing these things as they're interwoven in this book of the Bible, even in the Gospels in different measure. But I love reading this book of John when you think about the deity of Christ and think about His declarations as we read in John chapter 5. In verse 33... He sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. Underline that. These things I say that you might be saved is important to listen to what Jesus said. I had someone come to me at a softball tournament that I had the privilege of giving the gospel at some years back. They asked me about a particular topic. And this individual said, I have chosen to live a certain way, but my dad says it's sin. You're a pastor. Could I ask not your opinion, but what the Bible says about this matter? And I told this one what the Bible says. What the Bible says. You know, that's what people need to know today what the Bible says. They need to hear what the Bible says. They need to know the truth of God because it's only the truth that will set you free. So not, no matter what the world accepts, condones, promotes, celebrates, if it goes against what God has said, if God has declared it as sin, Jesus said if you don't repent, you shall all likewise perish. He said in John chapter 8, if you don't believe on me, which involves a turning to him by faith and from sin, that's a true heart of faith and repentance, opposite sides of the same coin. He said you shall die in your sins. Can you imagine people being in sin, in unbelief, away from God, perhaps some veil of self-righteousness or religiosity or whatever else they might want to kind of hold on to, friend, that religious garb will get you nowhere in eternity but separated from God forever in hell. People need to hear the truth in this hour. God loves all people. He loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son. Isn't that wonderful? He loved us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Why? Not to keep us in our sin. Not to condone our sin but to save us from our sin, to forgive us, to change our lives. That's who He is. That's why He came. Oh, if there's ever been a time when this world needs the gospel message, it's in this hour when there is a celebration of sin that says, hey, it's okay. God says it's not okay. What God calls sin if he ever one time said it was sin, he changes not, his word changes not, it's still sin. Culture may change, mores may change, societal exceptions and exclusions, all of those things will come and go and vary. But God changes not. Now that's a message of love and hope. The bad news is we're sinners. <laughs> the good news is Jesus died to pay our sin debt. 
That's the message of love. That's the message of true acceptance of all people. If you will accept Christ, His words, His works, what He has done for you on the cross, believe on Him for who He is, the miracles, the power that He had from the Father, but also the judgment that He gave, the truth that He displayed in not only word, but in deed. Oh, I think about this. The Bible says that John was a burning and a shining light in verse 35. And you were willing for a season to rejoice in His light. May it be said of you and me, when the Lord takes us home, He or she was a burning and a shining light. They burned brightly for the glory of God. The light of the truth radiated, reflected through their lives. Their spirit their words, their works. But I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Don't just believe what I'm saying, but believe what I'm doing. You can't deny my works. Oh, as I think about this, turn with me over to John chapter 6. Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves, and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do? that we might work the works of God. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. That's powerful, isn't it? What is the work of God? God is working through His servants, as He did His Son, to declare the light of the truth so that others who are bound blinded by the darkness of sin, can see the light of the truth and be forgiven and set free. He said, that's the work. All these things point to the Father, point to the Son, that I and the Father are one. Everything He gives me to do, I do it. But it's all for the purpose of demonstrating to you who your Heavenly Father is and his heart that he has for you, that you might believe on his son whom he hath sent, that you might be forgiven and have everlasting life. Well, it's important what we say. Yes, it is. But it's also important what we do. Many of us remember days and times when we've prayed perhaps more than we are currently praying, more fervently, more earnestly. We were more interested in the things of God, in the Word of God, in walking with the Lord, in telling others about Him, of actually living out the Christian life. Now, God hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't changed. If something's changed in our walk with God, and it does from time to time, then what has changed, who has changed, is us. 
There comes a time when we're just honest with the Lord and honest with ourselves and say, Lord, I love you, but I, I, I don't love you like I used to. That's what Peter had to admit there in the book of John, here in this last chapter. Yeah, I love you. I think a lot of you. We're good friends. I want you to love me with your whole heart. Well, I love you somewhat. I'm glad the Lord comes and takes us where we are and He fans that flame. And I'm just saying to you today, some of us are tired, some of us are weary, some of us are frustrated, some of us have been carrying burdens for a long time. I don't know what you're facing, but I want to tell you this, God hasn't forgotten you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Draw out of Him and He'll draw out of you. Just ask Him to help you. Just be honest. Lord, help me. Sometimes you get, get to a time in life to where you can't hardly feel anything. Any of you know what I'm talking about there? You're that tired. You're that weary. And you just don't feel anything anymore. Aren't you glad that the Christian life is not governed by our feelings? <laughs> the just shall live by faith. Because sometimes our feelings are saying everything otherwise than what God is saying here in His Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We come back to the Word of God. We at times, even in seasons of great trial and stress, we do well and are wise to live in the Word of God. That's what quickens us and strengthens us and encourages our faith. It strengthens our confidence in God. We can take God at His Word even when we don't feel it, when it doesn't make sense, when our circumstances don't compute, even when everything within and without is saying, God is nowhere to be found. He's still where He's always been, on His throne, in control of not just all things, but of your life and mine. He knows where we're at. He's working in our hearts today. What is He speaking to you about? What is He trying to help you to see and believe and trust Him for? To rest in Him and you. This is the work that God is accomplishing in this world through His Son, that we would believe on Him, that we would not only trust Him by faith as our Savior, but also as our Lord, as our Master, as our Guide, the one who goes before us, the one who goes with us, the one who goes in us, the one who surrounds us, the one who makes up our rear reward, the one who is our all in all. I want to tell you, friend, religion won't do it. Church won't do it. Church people can't do it. A pastor can't do it. But what people fail in and come up short in, Jesus Christ is more than enough. He's more than enough. You can trust Him. You can rest in Him. You can take Him at His word and take heart and take courage. Oh, as we consider this, looking. John chapter 9, you remember the man that was born blind now in the Jews' time here, they believe that some kind of ailment, disease, or sickness was always a result of sin. And so here's a man born blind, it's like, okay, well, there's sin there somewhere. Was it on his part or was it on his parents' part? I mean, who has sinned that he's born blind? And Jesus answered in verse 3, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God 
should be manifest, demonstrated, shown forth in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He said, this is something that God's allowed. God has sovereignly chosen and appointed that the works of God might be demonstrated through his life. And Jesus would bring healing, sight, miraculous, wonder-working power to bear in his life for all to see. I want to tell you, God's at work in this world. We wonder why is this and why is the other the way it is, or maybe in someone else's life or maybe our own. But if we can trust God, I will tell you, He'll work in us and through us. Not only to help us, but through us to help others, to point them to Him. What is God wanting to help you with today? What do you need God to help you with? You say it's an impossible situation. Here was a man who couldn't see. Doctors could do nothing. Doctors still could do nothing, can do nothing today when it comes to recovering one sight. But you know what? That's something that our God can do through His Son, the Lord Jesus. He said, these are the works of my Father. I must work the works of Him that sent me. May God give us a fresh conviction of that. I've got to get done what God has given me to do while it's yet day. While I still have opportunity, the night comes when no man can work. My voice will be silent one day. My hands will move no more. My feet will take no more steps. My life will be over. May God quicken us with the urgency. You say, well, I got a lot of things going on this summer. Maybe next summer. Next summer may never come. Are there some things we need to reconsider, reprioritize, and commit to God this summer? to make the most of this time, this opportunity that God has entrusted us with. He says in verse 5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. May that be our testimony. As long as I am in the world, I am a light. We're not the light. He is, but we could be a light for Him. As long as I'm in the world, Lord, help me to run my race and finish it well. You remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1? I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Far better. When we leave this world, we're not in worse shape, we're in better shape. We're far better off. He said, but nevertheless, to abide in the flesh, to stay here for a time yet, is more needful for you, for you. Do you remember Jonah when God did that great work in Nineveh and all those people were saved? He still was sad because his life was all about him and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me that I die. Paul said, it's better for you that I stay, that I live. You're going to have to decide what kind of Christian you're going to be. You're either going to be a for me or a for you Christian. You're going to make it all about yourself and you're never going to be happy. You're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to be grateful. God will never do enough for you. Or you'll be someone that sees God's goodness at every hand, every turn, every corner of your life. Oh, look what God's done. God's been good. 
and I'm glad to serve him. I'm glad to serve others. I'm glad to give my life away. Amazing. It's not only more blessed to give, but then what we give is pressed down, shaken together, running over, given back to us in so many other ways. What kind of Christian are we going to be? As long as I am in the world, can you say that? I am the light or a light of the world. And then lastly, back to John 14. And this is what I alluded to last week. Jesus was reassuring his disciples as he was about to go to Calvary. And he was going to leave them, but he was going to send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, to indwell them. And so in the person of the Holy Spirit, he would go with them everywhere they went. In verse 7, Jesus and the Father are one is asserted and confirmed again. And then he gets back into these words in verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Wow. Is there a hunger in your heart to be used of God? If not, what has spoiled your appetite? So many times I remember at my grandpa's house when we lived with our grandparents for a time as children, I'd come in, always want a snack, and I could hear my mother and my grandmother say, oh, don't eat that. That'll spoil your supper. How many of you have ever heard that? That'll ruin your supper. You can't have that snack. Now, it's always my grandpa who said, oh, you let him have it. And I'd pick it up and walk away smiling, you know, because I knew whatever grandpa said stood. Looking back, it's probably not the best thing because I'm sure I didn't eat healthy. I sure enjoyed all those snacks. But it did, at times, curb my appetite for the meal that they had labored to prepare. Some of us, let's be honest, there's so much junk food for the mind, the heart, and the spirit in our culture. Has that curbed our appetite for things spiritual? Are we so earthbound now that we just want the, the easy way, the cheap way, the uh, most conducive way for right here, right now, not thinking about tomorrow? Do we live just for the moment, for the immediate? If we do, we've got to be careful. We may come to a place like Esau did and said, you know, all this opportunity that God's given me, I don't value it one bit. I mean, you're, you're welcome to have if you just give me a bowl of soup. What are you exchanging your opportunity to be used of God and to serve God with your life in this time? What are you exchanging for that? The junk food of this world, some kind of discouragement or disagreement or disappointment in life. What are you giving into that you need to take heart this morning and take hold of God's promise and say, you know what? I want to do what God has left me here to do. When I'm productive, that's when I'm most joyful and fulfilled.
That's the way God made us. God wants us to come to this place to where we say, hey, God can do greater works through us. There's a work yet to be done. So show me, Lord, what I've got to change, rearrange in my priorities, my schedule, whatever I've got going on, because this is about where I am in my walk with you, Lord, and doing what you've given me to do, what you've given me to do, my life, my family, my church family. Oh, God, would you get glory through my life? Would you make me a burning and a shining light that I might work your works while it's day for me. The night's coming when no man can work. My opportunity would be gone. Oh God, help me to do something with it. What is God speaking to you about? Are you saying one thing and living another? Do you tell people one thing and then demonstrate another to them? If all that people had to go on was the way that you interact with them, your response to them in your works, not just your words, but your deeds. What would that say to them about your heart toward them? Jesus said, if you don't believe my words, believe my works. You, you can't deny my works. They're consistent with what I'm saying. Sometimes we can't say that. What are our works currently saying to those around us? And it takes the Spirit of God to open our eyes. And some of us need to pray that, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.